This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. When were the... What school's that? Where's that story? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions about Chicago, the region, and its people. Ho, ho, ho. I'm WBEZ reporter Monica Eng. And if you're like me, you may be super busy these days, trying to tackle presents, greeting cards, holiday lights, making organic fruitcake, and canning the Christmas sauerkraut. Oh, yeah, and the tree. That's what our latest question's about. See, Jessica Tancy was running errands on Thanksgiving weekend when she saw... A bunch of different little Christmas tree pop-up shops, I guess you would call them, and just kind of got to wondering, how many trees do they sell a day, a week? How do people get into the business? Where are they coming from? What keeps them in it? What's hard? What's great? Just kind of wondering all the things about it and who the people are behind it and what their stories are. Wow. That's a lot of questions, but we'll need to get this done by Christmas. So I'll zero in on just that last part. Who are these folks selling trees? We'll hear from a few of these characters who work in the biz. Each got into this whole Christmas tree racket for different reasons. And you'd be surprised at where their trees come from, where they come from, and how much money they can make. Okay. We have just a few days to figure this out, and that Christmas sauerkraut isn't going to can itself. So right away, I meet up with questioner Jessica at a piney-smelling Wrigleyville lot. Yes. It's so nice to meet you. Yes. We've heard there's a Christmas tree legend working here. My name is Ivy Speck, and we use this lot all year round for the Cubs season as well. So from April to this year, it was November, we've been parking cars for the World Series fans coming to see the Cubs. And then every year for the last 28 years, we turn it into a tree lot. Her place is Ivy's Christmas Trees at Roscoe and Sheffield. And she sells almost exclusively the king of trees, Fraser Furs from North Carolina. She used to get a variety of trees from all over the Midwest. Little by little, we start bringing these in, and nobody was buying our other trees. But Jessica's got even more questions. What are your hours during the week, and how many trees do you sell, and how many deliveries do you get? Like, what are kind of those nitty-gritty logistics? We can sell up to 100 during the week, maybe 200 on a weekend day. Yeah. Deliveries, yeah, lots. Then there are the money questions. I know the city makes all lot owners get an itinerant merchant's license. That's $50 a month. But what about profits? One tree industry website says vendors can buy trees for 15 to 25 bucks and sell them for more than three times that. Ivy pays more, like double that, because they're all primo trees, no pines or cheaper varieties. So how much does she make a season? 
I tell her that one site estimates profits of 15 to 20,000 a month. Okay. Sure. I wouldn't work here if I only made that though. Those are my secrets. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I I will tell you though guys, a lot goes into it. You know, I have freight from North Carolina. Yeah. My wreaths, my garland, my tree stands. I mean, we bale the trees. The mm-hmm. netting costs money. Mm-hmm. So there's some overhead. And yeah, we, we work hard out here. He's, he's hard work, social media, and perks like free delivery and recycling pickup have earned it. Ivy a loyal following. Yeah. Folks who come back every year, even after leaving the neighborhood. But her model still surprises some customers. People want me to be a farmer, so they go, well, are you from Wisconsin, or do you, do you live around here? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I, I, I don't know if I make people feel bad, like I should be a farmer. No way. It's a local business. Yes. Woman-owned and run business. Yes, yes, yes. There are Chicago Christmas tree operators who do happen to be tree farmers. Greg Arneson is one of those. His grandpa started bringing Christmas trees from Wisconsin by schooner nearly 100 years ago. And he carries on the tradition of renting corner lots to sell those northern trees. During most of the year, Arneson lives and works construction in Wisconsin. But for almost a half a century, he spent November and December in Chicago. Every year, for as long as I can remember, I've been, I'm here. Thanksgiving, Christmas, I'm here. So... (laughs) It's like my home, you know, I, I, I grew up here as a kid. But Arneson says this business model of growing and selling the trees, it's starting to fade. Now the box stores, you know, are carrying trees. You go to the grocery store, you're seeing trees. Um, that never used to be like that. Arneson says he still manages six to ten Chicago lots a year, and they cater to clients who want something more than the big box experience. My customers tend to be more picky. Um, you know, they'll come in and they'll spend an hour, sometimes two hours, walking around looking for the perfect tree. You know, that's kind of the difference, basically. This time of year, he spends long days driving between lots, schlepping trees, and doing night deliveries. Each lot is managed by seasonal workers who stay on the property. This year, he's got some Jamaican fireman buddies working, but mostly, he says, they're construction workers like him from Wisconsin. Guys like Chris Peterson, who's keeping warm inside a trailer on one of the lots. I ask him if it's tough work. Like, we got our cold days, but we got heat in there, fridge in there, stove, microwave, two bunks. Yeah, we stay right in the, right in the shack. We got a full-size stove in there. What do you like cooking? I don't know. Eat a lot of cereal and stuff. <laughs> Pizza, cook burgers, all kinds of stuff, eggs, wow. bacon. He says they can make a little scratch for the holidays. Yeah. Helps out quite a bit at the end of the year. When we're done, it helps out with presents and the family. So we've seen the lot owner model and the tree farmer model here. But those aren't the only ways to run Christmas tree operations in Chicago. Some are fundraisers for churches and schools. And you're seeing more pop up at restaurants with unused outdoor seating in the winter. Places like 90 Miles and Clybourne and Big Star in Wicker Park. Despite all the work leading up to the big day, tree vendors tell me they're usually able to wrap up several days before Christmas in time to celebrate themselves. Greg Arneson says he donates extra trees to charity or to the zoo for the animals. As a last resort, he chips them up into mulch. But Ivy's experimenting with another solution. The week before Christmas, she leaves all her Charlie Brown leftovers in the lot with just an honor box and a suggested donation. And for the most part, 
she says people are pretty honorable this time of year. Reporting for this story came from me, Monica Eng. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. Do you guys need a tree? Do you need a tree? We got one at the garden shop nearby, but which one? Come here next year. Guess so many. Oh, you paid a lot of money. <laughs> oh, you know how these trees are over there? Like my how much? Curious City is supported by Wintrust with their total access checking program, enabling customers to use ATMs around the country, whether the ATM is in-network or not. More about Wintrust Community Banking at Wintrust.com. Next time on Curious City, what's going to happen to the Willis Tower in 150 years? We don't know for sure, but the possibilities are intriguing. This guy imagines living in a Willis Tower converted into a multi-purpose hive. The hospital and the school where my kids go to school are in the same building as my apartment that I work in. Could you end up having this thing service its entire neighborhood? Because it's that big. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.